Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Today on Off Tackle Empire, the conference's biggest names are off raking leaves this week. And Maryland and Illinois are also off uh, sulking in the corner. Tune in to watch as the hosts stretch five games into an entire hour this week on Off Tackle Empire. How am I going to do that without talking about Illinois? There's only one way to find out. Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, the podcast that I cannot introduce without a bunch of long and awkward pauses as I try to think of something to say about how we're a college football podcast that focuses on the Big Ten because that's what the mission of our flagship blog is. Nailed it. So call me Jalen Naylor because I nailed it. Before we get to the week that will be in the Big Ten, we must look back. At what happened in the rest of the con- in the rest of the country, rather, last week because we spent way too much time talking about our own games. Which, hey, again, that's what we're here to talk about. Unfortunately, last week, however, there were a lot of really, really good games, and it would have been fun to get them into the recap podcast. But that's never going to happen, just never. So it would have been fun for me personally if I had watched either all the college football last weekend or none of it. Instead, <laughs> I middled it and spent part of my homecoming weekend watching Illinois, so I was exposed to some college football. And then I'm seeing on Monday, everybody's like, was this the greatest college football Saturday of all time? I'm like, I don't know. All I know is my team didn't score any points. <laughs> so yeah, sure, whatever. It could have been. Could have been just any other college football you, Saturday. Yeah, you've never seen a one and a half point line that you're not going to consider middling. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get right through it because we've got a number of them. Ole Miss, Arkansas out of the noon slot was fantastic. Went to, was it? Double overtime or just single overtime, but either way, it was a it was a one. No, it was it was regulation. It was regulation. It was regulation. <laughs> it was regulation. It hit over a hundred points in regulation, despite being a one point margin of victory. Yeah, that's a beautiful game. Yeah, and so Arkansas ties the game as time expires with a touchdown, and then Sam Pittman opts to go for two to win the game. They're on the road. They're a pretty good contingent of Arkansas fans there, but they go they make the call to try to win the game. I will. Almost always agree with that. Um, lots. Of, I mean, I I tune out national media for this exact reason because I'm sure there are lots of people in this situation who are like, I just don't understand why you wouldn't extend the game there. You don't extend the game because your defense can't stop Ole Miss, like even a little bit. The, Arkansas tied the game late and then gave it back to Ole Miss with like a minute twenty left. I was like, boy, that's a lot of time. Ole Miss can get in field goal. Oh wait, they're scoring touchdown right now. So yeah, uh, yeah. Well, not to mention. It's not just that you can't stop them. It's also that, look how many points you've scored, right? Yeah. You should, so you, you, you've yeah. got reason to believe in your offense. Plenty, this is, yeah, plenty of confidence to believe you can get two yards. The er example for me, of course, is um, Aaron Rodgers driving uh, 95 yards in 20 seconds with Jeff Janis in a playoff game, and then Mike McCarthy being like, 
Let's play for overtime. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers just made 95 yards in 20 seconds with Jeff Janis as his number one receiver. But I don't think we can score this two-pointer and win it. Now, I've, the Packers are, of course, relevant because we're always looking for ways to satisfy Iowa fans. And uh, if you want a, just a pleasant distraction from, you know, just, just a little breather from Iowa, Iowa fans, I'd recommend that you go back and watch the last uh, three minutes of Packers-Bengals and the whole overtime and pretend like that was an entire football game because that was the most beautiful shit you've ever seen. Five missed field goals and then one to win it. Yeah, so that being said, it was a fantastic game and probably not even the actual best game in the time slot because the Red River shootout was likewise bonkers. Oklahoma was down 28-7 to in the second quarter. They benched Spencer Rattler, the preseason Heisman favorite, presumed top 10 NFL pick. They go with a true freshman quarterback. He brings them all the way back, back and forth at the end. Oklahoma ends up winning the game. I believe a fumbled kickoff basically set them up to win that. Um, and here's I'm going to make an analogy here, and this is a chance for everyone out there listening to get to know me a little better. So when I was a lad, I was one of those kids. When you were a young boy. <laughs> okay, go on. My father never took me into the city, though, but... Um, <laughs> When I was a young lad, I was one of those young boys who is very into... You know how all young boys are very into a thing. And the thing that I was very into was... Dinosaurs. Was dinosaurs. Ah. And when I was five years old, a movie called Jurassic Park came ah. out. And so, for a little while there, I am quite sure my parents hated that dinosaurs had ever existed. But anyway... There was a sequel to Jurassic Park, The Lost World, that came out a few years later. Also a really good movie, in my opinion. But anyway, my point here is the expression that Steve Sarkeesian had on his face in this game, similar to earlier this season when they took another loss and he was realizing, oh man, the fans are going to hate this. I have to deal with the boosters now. The look on that guy's face reminds me of a scene from The Lost World when Ian Malcolm shit talks the guy who brought a T-Rex to San Diego and then let it escape by just leaning over behind him and whispering, now you're John Hammond. <laughs> because now, Steve Sarkeesian is Texas football coach. I know that was a long way to go, and given our usual listener numbers, I would guess maybe three people know what I'm talking about. Now I'm wearing Oklahoma shorts just because it's what I happen to pick out. Uh-huh. But, uh, but, uh, I, I do have some insight into Oklahoma as a result of all this stuff, and that is that the reason they didn't do this last year was because they did not have a Caleb Williams with the kind of game-changing running ability that they could pull Spencer Rattler for, because Spencer Rattler is not that kind of athlete. Um, Caleb Williams gave them a completely different style of offense, not to mention they got the, that made Kennedy Brooks a bigger running threat, yeah. uh, that they kind of just they kind of said, fuck it, we're running the option um, hey man, I can see my Bob Stoops visor from here. Um, I I lost it uh, my senior year in college for several months after uh, they they lost at home to Texas Tech after a lightning delay. I chucked it into a corner that like and then it got lost for months. Um, but anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so this could be the point where Lincoln Riley realizes that uh, he doesn't have to just be the passing offensive genius guy because Oklahoma's had some good offenses in the late Bob Stoops era as well that were good at running the ball. You remember Samaj P. Ryan mm -hmm. that they would give a bunch of carries. Um, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, yeah. Uh, Kennedy Brooks 
could be that kind of back. And uh, I think with Caleb Williams gives them more of a, uh, you know, much more of a dynamic um, and physical type of offense that uh, may be able to bulldoze through the rest of the Big 12 and then uh, and then put up the most entertaining loss in the college football playoffs. That's generally what, again, much like the Green Bay Packers, that's what they, that's what they exist to do is to not get to the title game, but do so in the most entertaining way of the playoffs. Yeah. Elsewhere, given the results that we had this year, is it possible that um, that Ed Odron is going to do the Gene Chizik Express and go from national title to fired inside of two years? <laughs> it's it's certainly looking more and more likely by the day. I mean, they got, they the got, thing that the thing that yeah. he has that Chizik doesn't is the type of scandal that he has. Okay, because Chizik just had the one where he paid Cam Newton, you know, two hundred grand. But the scandal there wasn't so much him doing that; it was. Well, wait a second. Was Cam Newton the only reason that he won that? And turns out, no, it wasn't. It was Cam Newton and Gus Malzahn. I was gonna say Newton, Malzahn, and Nick Fairley, I believe. But uh, yeah, so LSU got worked by Kentucky on the road after losing a closer game to Auburn. But there's they now are three and three. Um, their wins are over McNeese, Central Michigan, and Mississippi State. Here's their schedule the next. Four games. They host Florida uh, this weekend. Then they go to Ole Miss. Then they go to Alabama, and then they host Arkansas. <laughs> no really wait. Tell me is they... Auburn ranked for any discernible reason? No. Is it just because like we assume Auburn is going to be? Th- I mean, because they, they again they finally finally did it. I mean, the I, I just after edging so long on firing Gus Malzahn. Cannot even imagine the explosiveness of the cum shots from Auburn territory when they finally got to do it. They finally got to finish on all that firing Gus Malzahn edging. <sighs> Was it worth it? I mean, I just see no reason that they should have been, you know, it's just all these preseason expectations. Can't say they're living up to him. Not to say that the 18th ranked team in the country should have necessarily competed with Georgia because they're fairly good this year, but Auburn's not shown a whole lot to justify that ranking outside just of competing kinda, no, with Penn just, State. They're the kind of there. Um, yeah, to, to finish the drill on LSU, though, in addition to that schedule I just mentioned, uh, their star wide receiver, Keyshawn Boutte, he of the nine touchdowns, is also now Oof, yep. out for the season. So That's going to make things uh, an much more difficult. offense that's already pretty spotty uh, just lost their big-time playmaker. Again, usually assume they've got plenty of ammunition in terms of recruiting, but... Yeah, this is already an offense without Joe Brady coordinating it that has fallen off something of a ledge, and again, that schedule, not going to do them any favors. So, and, and it's just, it's unfortunate that a man who is in every way the avatar of yeah. Louisiana is going to, I mean, in, in, in a way that, like, you've seen this happen before where a man who is absolutely the avatar of the place that he's coaching, something happens to him. In this case, it was Brett Bielema getting brainworms and leaving for Arkansas. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, it, it's it'll be unfortunate when they fire him and hire. Uh, let's see who's the Saban assistant du jour. It doesn't even matter. He won't be able to beat Nick Saban. So, oh, although actually that streak came to an end this week, didn't it? Uh, as Texas A&M pulled off an upset over Alabama, and really kind of one of those big moments because they came back. 
they, well, they controlled. Mo- they were in front most of the game. Late though, their quarterback um, Zach Calzada gets hurt, and then Alabama gets the ball and they score to take the lead. And it's like, oh, you know, because of other injuries, AM's backup is a walk on. Uh, but then Calzada is <laughs> able to come back in and play, and he throws a perfect ball to. T- it was it was one of those big time kind of moments. And so Alabama is definitely winning the national title this year because they actually, I don't believe, have ever won the title in a year where they were undefeated in the regular season. I think that they might, or might have done it once. Yeah, no, they, they've, they've definitely done it. Um, well, I'm almost positive they did it in 2009, and they've done it once since then. They've won so many national titles that at some point they have to have done it a couple of times. Maybe once, maybe twice. But but the better, thing is, the thing that's... Nick Saban definitely wanted to lose a game. Though. Well, the problem is that Texas A&M is 1-2 in SEC play, so that means Alabama still can't get out of playing Georgia in the, in the conference title game. Ah, uh, I see. So Alabama would have to drop another game, um, I think, to get out of that. The question is, who would they drop it to that wouldn't then tank them just enough? There's no amount they could be tanked enough. Um, That being said, Texas A&M is going to want to do everything they can with this because the last time they beat number one Alabama, they lost the next game 59 to nothing. Yeah. Uh, Elsewhere in the country, Boise State knocks BYU from the ranks of the undefeated. Um, that ensures that Michigan State is now a top ten team in the country. That makes no sense at all to me. But well, you know who was once are. a you know who was once a top ten team was Texas A and M, who you know was at one point in the top five, dropped all the way out to unranked, and then beat Alabama. So it's a, it's kind of a weird thing that happens because it's like well maybe they should have been ranked, but certainly not that high. But maybe I don't know. It's uh, college football is weird this year, but again, it's not totally insane. Illinois and Kansas, still bad. And speaking of still bad, winless UConn drops a game to UMass, which had not won a game in all about two years, I think, or maybe even longer. Um, UConn's next game is against Yale. They've already lost to Holy Cross this season, they being UConn. So a winless UConn season... also finished 9-4 and four in 2007. So again... UConn, Illinois, Kansas, still bad. We're still not total it's, chaos world. And it's, it's still not 2007, yeah. Nope. So two FCS losses in a winless season is absolutely in play for UConn. Um, also, Wake Forest undefeated at 6-0 and after escaping versus their eternal blood rival Syracuse. And I believe they are ranked behind Coastal Carolina, which I find endlessly hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. Um, they're like a Power 5 conference that's undefeated at this point in the season should be at least sniffing the top 10. And yet, Wake Forest is, what were they, like 17, 18 this week? So, yeah, so I guess the question is, which of those two coaches could Illinois have hired last year? Both of them? Probably. Paying Dave Clawson like a mil and a half, but uh, could have tripled his salary easily. But it's all right. It's not. It's only all right because we're not playing this week. So, <laughs> yeah, you thought we wouldn't find a way to get a little noise discourse in here. So that brings us to this week in the Big Ten, as we mentioned in the opening. Lots of teams on buys: Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Nebraska, Maryland, Illinois, all taking a breather as we approach the midway point of the season. So three very good teams. One very good team that's three and four. Uh, one pumpkin. And one abortion. Quite 
the panoply that you, it's, it's a, just a beautiful panorama you're painting for us there. If I ever do give up on Illinois, it could be the last thing that holds me back from being a decent college football blogger. <laughs> so, in the noon slate, I think the, the clear highlight in my mind of this portion of the schedule would be the brass platoon game, Michigan State going to Indiana. Oh, my copper mug was not quite empty enough to be really resonant on that. Not a bad facsimile of a spittoon, but it's a little troubling to me that it was so full-sounding. From the Michigan State perspective, you could pretty closely copy and paste the Rutgers preview in here. You're going to an offensively challenged opponent whose defense is going to be a pretty tough nut to crack. You are dealing with an opponent who's shorthanded a couple key spots. I know Michael Penix Jr. is not playing. What I meant to check is whether DJ Matthews is going to be able to play. So let me take a look at that and see if we know. Here's the interesting thing for me about this game. No, he's out for the season for like a few weeks now. How did I not know that? (laughs) That that sucks. Okay. So is there any game in the Big Ten where coming into it, um, the, the, the emotion, the sentiment about it is as different as before the season as this one can't possibly be. Uh, I don't think I'll see one for the rest of the year. I mean, maybe Ohio State, Michigan, because Michigan's also been a little bit. But Michigan was expected to be yeah the, the only, good, just not great. No, you know there were plenty of people who said, look, Michigan could be looking at a six and six, seven and five type of year. Uh, not that that ever made sense. Not that that ever made sense. But that's what people that being were said, saying. Michigan State going four and eight made a lot more sense to me. Yeah, for sure. Well, yes, I I think for the most part. People were expecting four or five wins, hoping for six. So, On the other hand, Indiana, basically, these two teams have switched places as far as the expectations are concerned. Michigan State is doing what everybody thought Indiana might have the potential to do. Yeah, sorry about it, Hoosiers, but look, you had your year in the sun back in the back in the drawer with no fans. It just fucking sucks. Man. I wow, can't, like, I can't remember. Just much when you sucks. thought we'd reach peak Indiana. And then gotten over the hump of peak Indiana. It turns <laughs> out, it, it turns, turns out, out what we thought what we thought was uh, was peak Indiana in a good way was actually peak Indiana in a bad way. Yeah, they had their their glorious moment in the sun. And again, I know, I know they didn't beat Ohio State. I know they didn't go to Indy or win a Rose Bowl or whatever. But relative to recent Indiana football, it was a fantastic season. Nobody was there to see it, and now they have just wilted. So yeah, quarterback is out for this game. Top receivers out for the season. Offense wasn't very good when those guys were healthy. Boy, it's I've, I'm not I don't take this game for granted. I think you know, the lines came out and it was Michigan State by like three and a half or four and a half or something like that. Which now, if we're talking late stage, Mark D'Antonio, what you're saying when you're talking about it. all these injuries is Indiana by fourteen, right? Well, yeah. If we were. That being said, I don't know that. A Jack Tuttle fueled passing game is going to quite have the potency to take advantage of this soft coverage Michigan State likes to play. MSU has been very good shutting the run down, even with only six in the box on a lot of plays. They get their safeties involved in the run fits often, and it's worked pretty well. Um, the only thing that gives me some pause here is kind of the same thing we did last week, which is a good defensive front can trouble this offense because the offensive line still isn't that great. So that being said, the skill players last week 
were too much for Rutgers to handle. I hope that's the case this week, but... You don't like Tuttles, is what you're saying? I don't like Tuttles. That concludes our Old Bass Platoon portion of the program, because... I knocked that drink about as far as I could without knocking it over. It was, it was from a physics standpoint, remarkable that you didn't spill. So, <clears throat> elsewhere in the noon slate, the $5 Bits of Broken Chair game sanctioned the game already, Nebraska, you absolute killjoys. Um, Nebraska- you know what? If they don't acknowledge... They, they better go ahead and acknowledge it this week, because if they don't, and they lose... No, the entire internet's going to say that's why. And they're not going to be wrong. They're going to be right. Yeah, they're going to be right. So Minnesota coming off a bye here. I just, I'm not in a situation with Nebraska. I'm not tempting fate like that anymore. You got got three losses left before you're eliminated from bowl contention. And you still got to play Iowa. So, you know. Yeah, we know how that game's going to go. Iowa's going to You still have to play Ohio State. Yeah. So, we know how that's going to go because Iowa's going to win that game by three because they almost always do. Um, so, yeah, Minnesota's coming off of the bye week. They did learn fairly recently, you'll recall, Trey Potts had to be hospitalized with an unspecified ailment uh, in the late stages of their last game. Turns out he is now out for the season with that. You never want to speculate, but, of course, the first thing that always comes to mind with that is maybe some kind of a heart issue. Whatever it is, you hope the best for the young man, and ideally he'll be able to get back to health and get back to playing, but they're going to be without him for the season. Um, I told you, didn't I? Did you follow my advice? In your, or do you not have the pull to make that kind of recommendation midseason for a pickup in your, in your super elite um, skull and crossbones college keeper <laughs> league? Did you, did you do what I said and pick up marquee serving, or did you miss out on a huge opportunity? No, I believe we did that. Although, you know what, as far as big opportunities we missed out on, we dropped Isaiah Bowser in the offseason, so... Well... No, that was only briefly a big opportunity. Well, UCF scooped up, what, like a half dozen transfer running backs? There was no way to tell he was going to be the one who floated to the top there. But, in any case... Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's now down to your preseason running back three for Minnesota. They're coming off of a win and a bye week. It's perhaps, you know, they'll probably be okay with the offensive line the way they are, but this is a tough front to run against. The game is in Minnesota, so that's a little bit of a help there. Um, I did pick Nebraska to win this game, though, because I just, they've got to run out of ways to lose winnable games at some point, don't they? Don't they? (laughs) See, that's the thing. I think Nebraska should be able to win this game. I don't think that Minnesota, while fairly good on defense, is not one of the best defenses they've played. Uh, they should be able to move. I mean, honestly, here's what's crazy is Minnesota's defense profile is statistically similar on a similar level to Northwestern's. Which is crazy. It's crazy to think about, but if, if you can make... If Nebraska can make a lot of their basic, you know, not their basic, but like their fundamental plays work, their yeah. foundational plays on offense work, then they can't be stopped. 
right? It's just a matter of if they can hit them all the time, which a it's lot of offense, a lot of defense have been able to disrupt them from that. It's that, and as it has been for so long with Nebraska, it's also avoiding the calamity mistakes. Yep. It's fine to have a false start or a holding penalty here and there. You can't fumble the ball. You can't throw interceptions. You can't get. You really can't do that inside of 10 minutes to go in the game. No, and especially against an opponent whose game script has reliably been shorten the game as much as possible, run the ball constantly. You don't even know what team we're talking about. could be anybody. (laughs) Well, right. But I'm I'm talking about the one they're playing this week. But yes, that's going to be a scripted... Right, against basically every opponent they play in the Big Ten West. Because that's what the division does, is we really just want two possessions each... We'll see who gets to 10 points, and then we get out of here and beat traffic. Okay. I don't know. That's what I thought Illinois wanted <laughs> until they decided they wanted to see Brandon Peters throw. <laughs> well, <laughs> they wanted to see him throw seven times, and then they wanted to see Art Sitkowski throw. The Care Bear Raid. Okay, so I don't want to be too trite because also I really think that because Minnesota's offense has become pretty one-dimensional, I don't know if Chris Ottenbell is going to play, but... Either way, Tanner Morgan's regression has been alarming. I think Nebraska's defense has the tools to really put the screws to him. That being said, I just wonder how Nebraska is going to keep Minnesota in this game. Uh, I mean, this would this would be a soul-crushing loss. It would, and it would be, frankly, the kind of loss that, in the abstract, you would look for... The, the, sign the tipping the, point. That the tent is going to fold, yes. The tipping point, yeah. I, I I still think, again, they performed so strongly at Michigan. I like them to win this game, but, man. So, of course, our next game is going to be probably a Sickos Committee favorite. Oh, yeah, the Big Ten Sickos game of the month. I haven't seen, uh, haven't seen Sickos Committee. Again, another shout-out to that Twitter follow. Uh, rank, rank this game. But Rutgers at Northwestern. Now, of course, I want to mention also that they they had the Sickos Committee mid-season poll. The best thing is, they said themselves, they don't really know how to define the criteria for (laughs) for Sickos rankings. But you know what I'm talking about. They know what I'm talking about. It's the Supreme Court talking about pornography. You'll know it when you see it. (laughs) Yep, I know it when I see it. Okay, so they had Nebraska's preseason number one. I would argue that, for that reason, Illinois deserves to be perpetually in the top five because... Everything bad that happens to Illinois has to then reflect on Nebraska. But this is this is a game between two teams that are likely to be bad bad things to happen to Illinois, but that also have very bad offenses. Yeah, I we're, mean we're th- early in the week, and so it's not really clear if Rutgers is going to get their quarterback or their top two receivers or their starting left tackle back. Kind of some important pieces for a functional offense, and yet. I've seen the latest uh, SP Plus rankings. Northwestern's offense rates as worse than Illinois'. Yeah. Rutgers rates as not even one of the four worst in the conference, but pretty bad. Yeah, and that's the thing is, even down four major starters, Rutgers' offense still might be a little bit more of a threat than Northwestern because I really liked what Sean Gleason does from a play-calling perspective. Understanding that he doesn't have a whole lot to work with here, I still think, look... Isaiah Pacheco, in my mind, is the best offensive player on either team in the game. And then after that, there's a decent argument that 
uh, who's number two? I mean, Hull? Like, uh, this is a game dominated by the running backs because neither passing attack can do anything. And both of these defenses, you know, to the extent Northwestern has any strength at all, I think they'd certainly you rather pass it against them than run it against them this year. Yeah, this is... Uh... This game could be dire. This this is... This is a... Rune, like, no wonder. Well, you Rune. know... I think... Or Noor. I, want, I mean, obviously... Every game is important to every team, but gotta feel like this could be a statement for Rutgers. Yeah, that we're gonna look, we're gonna make a bowl game, and we're not gonna. Or at go, least we're sure gonna look like we're right on the verge yeah, after and, being. And we're not. Uh, yeah, that after that good first step, got last the year, longest Seattle, drought of the Big Ten. That we ain't going back to being Chris Ash Rutgers and just getting whitewashed by the whole conference slate again. That we're not. No, that we're winning this game and. We're going to fight a couple more out and get to a bowl. Yeah, that this is a big game for Rutgers, I have no doubt. This puts them in position to have Illinutgers potentially be their bowl clincher. I don't know who Yes, they... haha, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who they play between now and then, but I know they have other games they're winning. They haven't played Maryland yet, yet. Uh, and I don't believe they played Indiana yet either. So they have some winnable games left on the schedule. Northwestern doesn't this could be a big opportunity for them because Rutgers while substantially better than them is still if you look at a lot of statistical rankings not just in Bill Connolly's stuff but as far as just team type of yards per play on, on defense and offense and just every way that anybody has to rank teams yeah uh, by far the worst two in the Big Ten are Northwestern and then Illinois and then Rutgers is the Rutgers is the next one, but they're closer to the rest of the Big Ten than they are to Rutgers in Illinois or the, the Northwestern like, in Illinois. It's like the difference between Neptune and the rest of the planets versus Neptune and Pluto. Yeah. So, <laughs> see, I was, I didn't even do a science major in college, and I know all kinds of sciencey references. Um, see, for I, I don't know the rest of Northwestern schedule, but I know that next week they play Michigan. Kinda don't want to be going into that game coming off a beating at the hands of Rutgers. So, kind of an important game for both teams in the way that, in the way that if you throw a sandwich between a couple of starving dogs, it's very important to both of them to win that. Like, it's not going to save their lives necessarily, but it will prolong the end. This game is two crabs in a bucket trying to prevent the other <laughs> crab from escaping that bucket. <laughs> oh no, you're staying right down here. <laughs> oh no, we are both getting boiled to death and eaten. <laughs> Fuck you, you're not getting out of this. Oh boy. Um, okay, so we we alluded to this heavily. Yeah, we did at the end of our preview. Purdue at Iowa, the only game in the afternoon slot. Apparently, Iowa only plays in the primo time slot at home now. From now on, I don't know how that happened, but anyway, never complain again about the conference treating you poorly. So yeah, we have mentioned that Jeff Brom does have a little bit of a history of beating Iowa. Whether or not the quality of the teams suggests that would be the outcome, so. That being said, this Purdue team is struggling a bit. They did come off of a bye week. We'll see what they do with quarterback. I mean, they made the change, but it's not like it went great. I don't know if you go back to Plummer after a game and a half. Well, the crazy thing is, though, like, I think both quarterbacks, obviously no quarterback can be perfectly okay with this, but they both seem to respond when called on in the game to do what their thing is, right? Yeah. Certainly better than, say, Penn State's quarterback change went. True. Right? Yeah. You, you, you know, it's something that you see a lot because I do think that Jeff Brom does have the trust of both quarterbacks. Um, yeah. 
And we're very sorry, Minnesota fans, that we keep saying good things about Jeff Brom. Um, we know how much that rankles you. But <clears throat> the interesting thing here for me versus years past is how improved Purdue's defense is and whether or not that's going to make a difference, <laughs> right? Yeah, we'll see. I, this is going to be one of those games where I, I don't really think either team's going to be able to run the ball much because... I still think if you're Iowa, the recipe for success is to shut down the run game, which, by the way, has quietly been pretty bad this year. Presumably because most defenses are keying in on it, but I expected Tyler Goodson to be the best back in the Big Ten other than Mo Ibrahim. By a pretty, and certainly once Ibrahim went down, I was like, well, Goodson should be the best running back in the conference based on pedigree. Might very well be. Doesn't seem to get quite as many opportunities as he should. I mean, they give him, to the extent that they were... No, I'm, I'm saying he should get they, 40 carries a game. I don't think they have enough offensive output to give him 40 carries. Oh, you mean you don't think that they want to run that many plays? I don't think that, well, whether they want to or not, they don't. So, yeah, he's he's led them in carries by a pretty wide margin. They mix in Ivory Kelly Martin a little bit. He's just a guy. I guess you take Goodson off the field occasionally, but he's, I don't know, I mean... He's got maybe one, two games that he's cracked 100 yards. He's not really having the kind of season I expected him to as their bell cow. Well, I mean, their bell cow is their defense. Sure. So, as I was kind of getting at, I don't know. <laughs> Purdue has not been able to run the game all, has not been able to run the ball all year. I believe they have King Doru back for this game. That is the other thing, is I guess it's early enough in the week that we don't necessarily know how Purdue's injury situation is going to be looking. Bell came back in the last game. I think Doru should be fine, but it'll obviously help them if they get Payne Durham back. Um, if they're at something approaching full strength, I kind of like Brom's ability to scheme up some stuff that works against his defense, because again, he's done it in the past. The question is, man, can, you know, is Durham 100% or will he have to play through some of it? Some pain, that is. Oh, see, I wasn't going all the way there. But you wouldn't think that Purdue would be able to pass on this Iowa defense, but if you look at the way Iowa's season unfolded last year, you would have also thought the same thing last year. Yeah, well, it's not like Purdue you know, threw for 540 points or something. I believe the score was 27-24 or something. But in a game like this, if you get into the 20s, you feel pretty good about your chances of winning because unless you give Iowa a defensive touchdown, this offense isn't going to get to 30 against a competent defense. So, all that being said, Iowa's definitely the better team. They are playing at home. On paper, Iowa's the obvious winner. But we've also agreed, I think, that it seems unlikely Iowa's running the table. Xander Horvath was actually a pretty big contributor for Purdue in this game last year. So yeah. that's the other factor is he's the kind of guy that maybe not as explosive as what uh, what else Purdue has back there, but he's the guy that you run in the middle to kind of control the clock a bit, and that's a really important thing to do against Iowa, maybe more yeah. so than get explosive plays. But I can't say I remember his stat line from the Iowa game, but... 21 for 130. There were also a number of occasions where he demonstrated himself to be a better receiver than you would expect of kind of a bigger between-the-tackles guy. So he's a big missing piece from this offense that beat Iowa last year, that's true, but look... If you want to be a good defense, starting with David Bell and a couple really good compliments, you know, we haven't mentioned Milton Wright yet, another guy who has contributed on and off, maybe not been as consistent as Purdue would like him to be, but him plus Durham if he can play, plus Bell. I have I like their chances. I mean, it's it's 
probably better than a puncher's chance. Probably something like, I don't know, 65-35, Iowa wins this game, something like that. Not score. Right? Not <laughs> you mean 6-3. No, 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 no. I mean, like, 6.5 yeah. uh, to 3.5. <laughs> yeah, that would be about the average outcome there. Uh, finally, in the Big Ten slate, a non-conference game, and a really dumb decision by Wisconsin to host Army in the middle of the year with no week before to prep and no bye week afterwards. I'm all for supporting the troops, but do not agree to play a service academy under any circumstances, certainly without, not without a bye week afterwards, so your defensive lineman's knees can recover. Honestly, it barely even matters how good they are, but they are 3-1. and one. Uh, They lost to, while playing a small max slate, they beat Miami of Ohio but lost to Ball State. Uh, they did score 38 on Western Kentucky. Not sure what that means, but... Uh, again, <clears throat> it's academic. We're talking about Wisconsin as a team that could maybe still, even at this unfortunate stage as they're 2-3 and three for them, has... What are you doing over there, Millie? Huh? You see how her, her head is? She's just contorted herself into this corner trying to not hear about Iowa football. Um, so boring! So, point is... Wisconsin just can't really afford to get cut blocked to death at this point in the season where they, they do still have, in my opinion, what it takes to throw a wrench in Iowa's gears, but Iowa's going to need a couple of wrenches thrown in their gears to not win this division. Yeah. It, they're going to need I some guess, help, Wisconsin is. And they're not helping themselves out at all by scheduling this game. No, because you, you will probably win, almost certainly win, even with... When they scheduled this game, I get it was a long time ago... But when they scheduled this game, they should have known better. Like, it's not... They, they couldn't have scheduled this game in, like, the 90s when you might not have known better about the cut blocking. Yeah, but, like, the, the book is out. If you're going to play a service academy, it's got to be early, and you've got to have a bye afterwards. Your defense will need it. Um, they go from Air there. Force is the worst, but yeah. Army's closer to them than they are to Navy. Yeah, well, and Wisconsin goes from this game to a trip to Purdue... I guess you could say that's not exactly a bruising run game, so maybe it's not too much of an issue, but boy, yeah. And I mean, other than that, like, I don't know what there is to talk about from... A well, it's not a shin-bruising run game, because nobody else has a shin-bruising run game. <laughs> right, let's say a play maybe Air Force. So, anyway, I feel pretty good about Wisconsin's odds to win that game, We but should hire Jeff Munkin. Honestly, it wouldn't be the worst idea. Um... So now let's take a quick spin around at other games that you might keep an eye on. Guess who's quietly undefeated? It's Oklahoma State. The Oklahoma State Cowboys. Their with, offense with has defense. not looked that... Yeah, yeah their offense has kind of been bad. Relying on defense. And they go to Texas this week, a uh, week after the Longhorns just had their guts ripped out by Oklahoma in a Red River that they thought they were going to win. Halloween colors two weeks before Halloween. Spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Elsewhere you have Central Florida going to Cincinnati. Preseason this might have been an interesting game. Considerably less of a threat to Cincinnati's uh, bid for the playoff in that UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel is out, I believe, for the season. Ah, so not quite the threat that they would uh, usually that be. sucks. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, they've, they've got, I mean... There was that drive against Louisville where they where they threw a game-ending pick six while losing all of their starting skill players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
you the uh, the SEC ranked matchup of the week that shouldn't be would be Auburn at Arkansas. As we mentioned before, Auburn's just ranked for no reason at this point. Sooner or later, they're going to be like four and seven, and maybe at that point they'll drop out of the top twenty-five. Furthering our non-conference sickos pick of the week, you could try to find a grainy eight-bit feed of Yale at UConn. Mentioned again, UConn's going for winless, going trying to to dethrone their own team from a couple years ago as the worst FBS team of all time. This will publish either Thursday or Friday, by which point Appalachian State will have already played the Ragin' Cajuns on Tuesday. Yeah, so you should go back in time and watch that game if you didn't already. Actually interesting SEC game from my perspective would be Florida at LSU because depending on the margin, if Florida wins... That could be a game that just gets over on fired midseason. Once again, less than two years after a national championship. LSU's got the temperament to do that. Dino Babers is in a flat spin at Syracuse. Uh, just cannot find any way to get any lift to the wing surfaces here, to any of the control surfaces. Clemson comes into town, seemingly doing a bit of free-falling on their own. But also, they're Clemson and have... More blue chip talent than virtually every team in the country, except for, you know, of course, a select few. Can uh, the question is, can Dito Babers do one of those things where he, uh, you know, way down at the edge of the stage, kind of bounces off of him back on to? I, you know, I saw that game and I thought about adding it here, but it's not interesting to me because my team didn't pass on hiring Dino Babers. So, oh, I mean... So mediocre Syracuse is of no interest to me. Neither is Clemson. But anyway... I was always interested in how uh, how flailing coaches do. You know, flailing coaches is kind of my, my oeuvre as an Illinois fan whose coach is pretty much always flailing in a desperate but futile bid to survive uh, his <laughs> tenure. Um, if you want to watch a problematic bowl, <clears throat> we've got BYU at Baylor. Oof. Maybe don't watch that one. Kentucky plays at Georgia, which will be really interesting to see how an offense largely powered by uh, by guys that got beat out for big by a guy that got beat out for Big Ten starting job and a guy that left the Big Ten for family reasons uh, can go up against the number one Georgia. Who look on one hand, we certainly don't like that Georgia's number one, but on the other hand. It, it, it's a thing where, of course, we hate other people from outside of here being number one, but we also hate all the other teams in our conference so much yeah. that perhaps it's a good thing that Georgia is the only thing keeping us from number one Iowa. I do hate that Iowa, with, argue, with probably the best one in the country to this point this year, is not number one. But I would also hate if they were number one because, as we've seen, you know, I remember when Michigan State first had their breakthrough of success, everyone was like, oh, you Michigan State fans are the worst. No, I think actually, you mentioned the crab in the pot analogy earlier. Basically, if any fan base other than Ohio State is having any success at all, apparently we don't know how to handle it. I'll throw some air quotes around that because you know what? If your team is good and you're getting some transitory joy out of it, you should be an intolerable asshole for a little while. With the understanding that when you fall back to earth, you are going to be dumped upon by the other crabs here in the pot. Now, what I'm wondering is, did podcasts as a concept exist the last time Illinois was good at football? Because I'll tell you this, and I've guaranteed you this for a long time. Yep. 
Uh, Illinois is ever good at football again. I promise I will set new records for being insufferable. Remember, how I will was- in one season completely wipe out any sympathy you have for me. I promise. You got pretty close with basketball and you didn't even win anything. Your source for big and it's off tackle. Empire.